You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? This whole party. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the majestic, miraculous, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. Hey, man, what's going on, Sean? They are dropping these Unearthed Arcana articles like they're hot. Hot like wildfire? As as the Hot like, hot like twilight. Hot like true names. Is oh, Well, are those, are those things? Like, are those things that are actually hot? I mean, they are in this instance, I suppose, huh? I guess they are now. What do they what do they call this UA article? Like the the Twilight Hot Naming yeah. something or another? Twilight it was, it was in, Fire Name. The Twilight Fire Name? Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I mean it's that's sorry. Sorry everyone. I just it, it, it once I started reading, I'm like, wow, they were trying to be punny a little bit. It's good. I was drinking an A and W root beer last night and on it it says aged vanilla. Yeah. And so we decided that's my rapper name. Aged Vanilla, that makes yeah, sense. It does. So speaking of true names, uh, we now have my true name, Aged Vanilla. Well, with that bit of silliness out of the way, let us get into this uh, UA article, because we're going to talk about this and a little bit about the de- descent into Avernus. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the Twilight Domain, the, cler- the Circle of Wildfire, and the Onomancy Arcane Tradition, which is a cleric, a druid, and a wizard uh, subclass. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the Twilight Domain. So... The idea about Twilight is that it's uh, it's governing the transition and the blending of light into darkness. Um, it's a time of rest and comfort, but also the threshold between safety and the unknown. And that is the theming that they are going with with all the abilities inside of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can I, I just wanted to make a quick comment about cleric domains. Do it. So the design of them is kind of fascinating because the all the abilities of them are front-loaded. Mm-hmm. That's at true. level six is like when you get the, I mean, you get one at level 17, but level six is like the last one that's really impactful as mm-hmm. far as the domain goes. Right. So there is 11 levels before you get something that is actually any kind of flavorful domain ability. Right. Level eight that you get one at level eight, right? But it's usually something like divine strike. Or the one that gives you, lets you use your wisdom modifier to add to your uh, spell right. casting yep. damage. Yep. Those two are, are for pretty much the standard ones, right? Yeah, they're so, just damage increases because the cleric needs a little bit more damage output at that point. Yep. So you're right. At level six, that is generally where you get everything by then. Um, everything that's that's impactful, like you said, or, uh, yeah. Because how many of our games, in reality, are going to level 17? I know there are some percentage of them that are, but not, not as many as are not. Yeah, it's a when you compare it to, like, level four, you know, how many campaigns games make it to level four versus level 17? you are in the single-digit percentage uh, by the time you figure out who gets to level 17. Yeah, it's like an 80% swing, probably. Yeah, or more, for sure. Yeah. All right, so the, the that's that's the thing I wanted to say. So all the stuff is kind of front-loaded. Mm-hmm. So um, early on, you get you get bonus proficiencies. It's martial, and martial weapons and heavy armor. Yeah, and I want to say something about this. Sure. So I think of twilight domain and it says you know light and darkness and you know shadowy safety unknown for me without even looking at anything else here i see that and i start thinking of mystery right i think of sneaky i don't think of martial and heavy armor um 
it's not that that's bad. It's not overpowered. It's not any just on the on the flavor side. It doesn't mesh with me. I'm with you. I agree. Okay. Why isn't why isn't uh why don't you get sneak or uh, stealth as a bonus proficiency in this? Yeah, I would I would much rather see that. And and I I actually understand mechanically why because a lot of the things that we're about to see are kind of paladiny sort of buff uh stuff and so when you do that you need to be around friends. Yeah, sort of, except when you get the Steps of the Brave, which we'll talk about later. True, true. But some of the other ones, you know, you have to be close to your allies. Um, and so if you're going to be close to your allies, you need to be in battle. And if you're in battle and you want to survive, you you need armor. Um, so it's it's just it's an interesting, interesting um, sort of mechanical versus flavor problem that they're solving by giving this you know martial and heavy armor proficiency that's yeah you're you're right that is a uh, it is interesting i mm-hmm. just I'm, i i agree with you like it didn't like throw me off or anything like that right i mean it's not like oh game breaker but it's just it's it's interesting well let's let's talk real quick about the spells cuz i didn't sure. put them in the in the thing but um they are fairy fire and sleep mm-hmm. those make very much sense at the, at the 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 first level yeah cleric first level spells um, darkness and invisibility, also mm-hmm. very flavorful right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Aura of Vitality and Liamon's Tiny Hut. I also get those because this yeah. is about, you know, um, rest and, and recovery and, right. you know, that yep. kind of stuff. Um, Aura of Life and Greater Invisibility. Mm-hmm. Those also, like, they're they're pretty on point here, I, I feel. Yep. And then Circle of Power and Dream. I don't get the Circle of Power one, and I forgot to look it up. I don't know why that one's in there. Yeah. And Dr- Dream makes sense, though. Yeah, dream is totally right, right in line. I mean, I'm sure Circle of Power is perfectly fine. I just don't understand why. Also, it's a ninth level cleric spell. It's, it becomes a ninth level cleric spell, and you know, once again, we're talking way end of the bell curve. Yeah. Um, which maybe I should concern myself with that stuff, but I often don't. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's worth delving into any deeper than we just did. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're on they're on point there, and they they got a little bit of that uh that sneakiness. Going mm-hmm. on there, right? With the the invisibility right. and um, and the darkness. Yep. Because if you Ar- cast invisibility, but you're walking around in heavy armor, you're still um, making noise. You're still making noise. Yeah. Now you don't like on the bright side. If you have the proficiency for heavy armor, that means you can wear medium armor and light armor too. True. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Yep. It's just it's just they didn't they didn't stick in there the uh, give yourself give them proficiency in stealth too, right? Right. So uh, cool. Let's move on to um, Eyes of Night. So this is you get dark vision, and it has mm-hmm. zero, no maximum range. So it's basically dark vision is your normal normal mm-hmm. vision, right? Um, and the, the neat thing about this is that you can give this benefit to creatures within ten feet of you, um, it, as many as you want within ten feet of you. Okay. You just give it to them. But you can only do it a number of times per day equal to your wisdom modifier, and it takes a long rest to recover it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's neat because then you... Uh, I mean, once again, you don't need torches then. Yep. It, it lasts for 10 minutes, so it's it's not forever, but it's you know it's a decent amount of time to sneak around something or go through a, a dark room that you don't where you don't want to light a light. Yeah, I, I don't think it's any great shakes, but it's there. Yeah, it's a, it's a first-level thing. It makes sense... Um, in terms of the flavor, mm-hmm. and it, what it makes me curious about is how many D and D groups 
just completely ignore this sort of thing after a certain level. You know, yeah, I wonder because I don't like. I always make like yeah. darkness is a real thing. I yeah, I I usually like the first encounter if it's a dark area and I ask, okay, who has dark vision and how are you doing light? You know, we do that and we we get that all set, but then I really don't generally mention it through the rest of the adventure. Um, say I'm running like a four hour session, even if it would come into play, I I usually forget about it. Mm. See, the torch to me is an interesting thing because, um, one, torch physics in D&D aren't actually how torches work in real life. Right. Especially in caves and things like that. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's not like once once you have a torch, like I, I suppose I house for a little bit, like once you have that torch out for the people that can't see in the dark, like it's there and people can generally see. But then the torch is something that I can take away from them to make things more complicated. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. It's just, it's something that for some reason my DM brain checks Doesn't, off the list yeah. and then and then forgets about. I would imagine that most people do that. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I wonder if giving these, um, giving, the, you know, these sorts of lighting benefits matter in the long run to, to most groups. It's just an interesting question of, you know, of how, how we play as a as a community. Yeah. So with that being said, can we jump down real quick to the last ability? Sure. Like this is the level 17 one, right? right? Like it's called midnight shroud. And this allows you to choose creatures equal to your wisdom modifier to see through any of your, see through a spell that uh, a darkness spell that you cast. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, I'm like, that's really cool, but I don't know if it's really cool. At level 17. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it may not be as powerful as some other level seventeen uh abilities that, that people have. Yeah, you know, if if it's gonna be handy, it's gonna be handy, but at level seventeen, how many creatures are you gonna encounter that you know don't have true sight, uh blind sight, tremor sense, you know, something like that. Well, I, I could think of a ton of places that this would be hyper useful in like level in that level four to eight range yeah. oh yeah for sure uh but yeah level 17 i'm like i don't know like why is that there like and of course i looked around at some of the other level 17 powers mm -hmm. honestly they're not all that great shakes yeah yeah I'm, so my, so then my, i was like never mind yeah my, my thought is okay great it's not over definitely not overpowered and when it comes in handy it's going to be super handy when uh -huh. it doesn't You've your seventeenth level. You've got other stuff you can do. Yeah, it's quite situational, right? Yep. And that's fine. That's, yep. I, I suppose that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, then you get to the thing that I think is actually really cool. It's called vigilant blessing. Mm -hmm. So this one it allows you to uh, give someone advantage on their next initiative roll. Mm -hmm. uh, you can only do this to one creature at a time. It can be yourself, mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. You could do it all the time. Yep, I love it. I love. I think it's. I think having an uh, advantage on initiative is very powerful. Uh, if it's just one creature, you know, per combat that's on your side, cool, do it. You mm -hmm. know, get, give it to the give it to the rogue who needs to go first to to do something. Give it to the the tank. You know, it's very situational. If you want to get the tank in the room to protect yourself, give it to give it to that character. You know, I like it mechanically. I like it flavor wise. I think it's fun to use. I like it all around yeah me too i'm i'm with you mm -hmm. all right let's talk about uh their the channel divinity that's what everybody kind of gets at second level as a cleric it's a twilight sanctuary 
Mm-hmm. So it's an aura that projects out from 30 feet for one minute. Mm-hmm. And you get um, to do one of these things. Uh, you can give someone a D8 of temporary hit points. Mm-hmm. Or you can end one effect that causes frightened or charmed. Now, this is, in my opinion, uh, pretty potent. because it Because it's not end frightened or charmed. It's effect mm-hmm. that causes frightened or charmed. So if there's other things attached to that, they also go away. This is true. And the other thing is actually really powerful, too, the other part of this. So what you do is you create a sphere around you with dim light in a 30-foot radius, right? And it moves with you, and it lasts for a minute or until you are incapacitated. I also misspoke because it's whenever a creature ends its turn in the sphere. Right. So as long as everyone in your party stays within 30 feet of you, um, they get a 1d8 temporary hit points at the end of their round, Mm -hmm. or they can end that effect. So getting 1d8 temporary hit points every round is is potentially very powerful. Well, it's very huge at like first and it's very huge at like second and third yeah, level. Yeah, at second and third level, you're basically if you're under attack, you know, you're having a d8 less damage per round done to you, mm-hmm. which can be can be pretty good. It can really help yeah. a lot. It's like it's it's a quarter to half of some people's hit points at that level. Yeah, and on and average, I think, but but I think it's great. You know, you're using your channel divinity, so you know it's it's a significant resource there. So it should it should be good, and you know, tactically, you, everyone has to stay within thirty feet of you. Um, okay, that could be good. It could be bad. You know, I, I like it. I like it. I like that it scales well, too, because that D8 temporary hit points becomes pointless at, like, fourth, fifth level. Right. But uh, the other effect is still very useful. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, you don't have to roll. It just ends. Yeah. It's, it's really solid. Yep. Yep. I like it. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Steps of the Brave. I really kind of dig this one. It's very uh, interesting, though. I'm not sure how I feel about it yeah. uh, as far as, like, a balance point of view. Yep. So you get advantage on saving throws versus frightened. Okay. Uh, that's that's personal to you. Yep. And this this whole thing is personal to you. And then in dim light or darkness, you can use your bonus action to fly until the end of your next turn. Mm-hmm. Which means that you can combo this in darkness or dim light to fly constantly. Constantly, yeah. Fly it, your walking speed constantly in d- dim light or darkness. Uh-huh. And if you have a way to make darkness go with you, you can fly. Forever is um is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's personal, and that's the only reason I'm not throwing my headphones down and stomping on them and screaming, uh, because you know you, you don't want to get too far away from your party most of the time, and you do have to make sure you're in dim light or darkness. So you know you're a hundred thousand feet in the air and and flying around, and then something comes and <laughs> makes bright light. It, you you start to fall, yeah. Um, so I'm cool with that as well. It, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's also really like you can fly, enjoy flying. You get to be a, a person that flies. Yep. I'm I'm okay with it. Like it it doesn't like all the reasons that you said are the reasons that I am not also throwing my headphones in the ground and being like why yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like, exactly. I like how you got on. You're like, I'm gonna go out on my lawn and be like, get off my lawn. But yep. I'm not because it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stare at you 
with my my uh, my stink eye from my lawn. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's per- it's you know it's a personal thing. You you fly, you go. Plus, it just gives you as a game as a dungeon master a bunch of reasons to like. Hey, I'm gonna hit you with a light spell. Yep. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> or when the dragon breathes that you know fire breath, it gets really bright in the room. It does. Guess what? You fall. Mm-hmm. Like you're falling. Terminal velocity is what? Okay. Uh, I suppose like that, that it, people have to make rulings and things like that because when the dragon breathes, like then mm-hmm. the breath weapon goes out too. So that, right, you know, yeah. is whose turn is it? When did the turn end? There's <laughs> going to be all those arguments, right? Right. It's oh it's, cool. So it's an ability that will provoke a whole bunch of arguments too. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. It, it may get revisited upon further I, development. I feel like they should fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like maybe like that 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 one's got. T- you know, I usually like rules that have like rulings and like wiggle room and things like that. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a play test document. Let yeah, people play test it and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I That's... think it's in it's in a it's in a good space though. I, I like the idea. Oh, I love the idea. I love yeah. the idea. All right. Uh, so the other ones, we, we, I mean, divine strike. You get divine strike. There's divine strike in every cleric ever. So or not every cleric, but a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then we we mentioned Midnight Shroud already. So yep. let's talk about the Circle of Wildfire. Okay. You want to start with this one? I will do that. So druids who are members of the Circle of Wildfire understand the necessity of destruction, such as how a forest fire promotes growth. These druids bond with a primal spirit that harbors destructive tendencies, allowing the druids to use their power to create controlled flames that help flora and fauna reproduce and grow. I don't know if flame help fauna reproduce and grow but sure they do when you burn down that's like when you burn down a field well maybe not the fauna but i mean it, it, it's the, the flora i get the fauna yeah. they, they tend to just turn into ash um, <laughs> and i mean maybe that's more of a long-term growth thing yeah, sean like they, they come back later and eat the better food yeah okay uh, yeah that that i'll give you uh but yeah I don't but, think being set on fire helps you reproduce i, I just feel like you're probably right yeah i if so, I've been doing it wrong for several years. <laughs> well, then. There you go. Um, that's that's dipping out of our PG rating. Yes. So uh, let's talk about the spells, the spell list and everything. So you get Firebolt as a cantrip. I love that. Mm-hmm. Who it's, doesn't it's, love Firebolt? I mean, it goes with the theme, too, right? Sure, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, this, this might be one of my favorite spell lists for theming ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a third level, you get Locate Plants or Animals and Scorching Ray. Right. Fifth level, you get Fireball as a Druid. I just want to mm-hmm. throw that out there, which yep. is great. And Plant Growth, which, you know, right in the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, seventh, you get Aura of Life and Fire Shield. Yep. Ninth, you get Flame Strike and Raise Dead. Yeah. Like, it's great. Just kill kill everything and then raise it. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. that's exactly what this thing is supposed to be doing, right? Yep. Uh, now I feel like we're going to get into the thing where Sean is going to be like, this is stupid. Uh, okay. Probably not. Any time, so it's called Summon Wildfire, mm-hmm. and I think it's awesome, which means it's probably too good. So instead of shape changing, uh, you get to drop a little fire elemental on the field, and it does damage. Mm-hmm. And it's like a combatant. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell me what you think before I say what I think? No, I I honestly don't mind this. Um, I one of my favorite fourth edition classes was the shaman. Uh-huh. Which is basically this. That's right? true. You, you summon your spirit, and it's on the battlefield, and it can't uh, do everything, but it can do a lot of things, and it's okay. I, I have 
I have to stop you. Did you just Chris sneeze at me? I did. I your just, phone? Did your phone go off in the background? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Wow. Yeah. I that that hardly ever happens to anybody but me. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. I had to point that out. I'm, I'm duly ashamed. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think it's fine. The I think at second level, um, having something do two d ten damage. Um, to all creatures within 10 feet of it when it appears is strong uh, but not overpowered and then you know it's it's not much different than having sort of an animal companion uh, to mm-hmm. me so it's it's not I'm not you know throwing throwing a fit about it I think it's okay yeah on the bright side that 2d10 damage it's either 2d10 damage or nothing right. Yeah, there's no save for half. Yeah, and it's all creatures, so you can't leave your friends out of it. So that yeah. makes it a little more uh, limited in its tactical abilities. Mm-hmm. But, so there, there are some limiters on it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you summon this creature uh, to a square within thirty feet of you. When he, when you summon it, two d ten fire damage to all creatures within ten feet unless they make their dexterity save. Mm-hmm. Um, it's friendly to you and your companions, and then it has its own little stat block. It does. Um, and it shares your initiative count, takes its turn immediately after yours. It can only take the dodge action unless you take your bonus action to command it to uh, dash, disengage, help, uh, hide, or use one of its own uh, stat block attacks. And, yeah, and, and its yeah. turn. Um, so here's the thing. Like, if you tell it to do something on your turn... Then you just have to wait till your turn's over for it to do the thing, right? Correct. It acts immediately after yours, you. So as yeah. a bonus action, you say, uh, you know, use your flame seed attack. Uh, then you finish your turn, and then it uses its flame seed attack according to how it's written. Yeah, and I just want to point that out because, like, it does act directly after you, but that doesn't mean that something can't take a legendary action in between your turn and its turn. So that's a thing just to think about, everybody. Like, it's not going to come up all that often, but it's it's a neat little thing to think about. There are things that can get in the middle. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, to me, that makes it interesting that you have to tell it to use your bonus action, which is on your turn, and then you have to wait till its turn to do it. So it's like a delayed, mm-hmm. loaded action. Yep. Which is fine. I just, that's uh, that's the design, right? Yep. Um, I like I like the little creature. I think it's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Flame Seed is fine as an attack. It's not too big of a deal. I like Fiery teleportion, te- Teleportation a lot because this is a good escape power. Because mm-hmm. um, this thing flies. It's yeah. got a fly speed of 20. It can fly with you. Um, as yes, you... It can. Well, it can, it, it, that's the wrong wrong ability. Well, I mean, it can fly with you if you turn into a bird or something. Yeah. Because you're the other... If it, oh, flies with, if it flies with the cleric, the cleric's going to fall. That's true. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> send your, your fire guy with... Uh, I, I have a with, feeling... With, with your Twilight Cleric. Yeah, I feel like the Wildfire Druid and the Twilight Cleric wouldn't get along very well in a party together. This is true. Now now someone's going to come up with a build that's like, you know, these two things would go really great together. Right, I'm in a multi-class as, <laughs> as Twilight Cleric and Wildfire uh, Druid. Okay. Um, so, the, yeah, the fiery teleportation. So you can teleport um, each willing creature of your choice within five feet up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space. And then, of course, anything that was within 10 feet of that has to make a dexterity saving throw or take a D6 plus 2 fire damage. Yeah, and that is something that your wildfire spirit can do, uh, and it recharges after a short or a long rest. So you can pull friends out of a bad spot, 
put them in a better spot 30 feet away and everyone that's left um, needs to take some damage if they don't make their save. Yeah, it, um, this thing, the only thing I don't like about it, I guess, is later, I feel like once you're like level seven or eight, like it becomes less, less useful. The spirit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does like animal companions. It does, um, increase in its hit points, uh, attack rolls, saving throws and so on. Uh, as you, as your proficiency bonus increases, Mm-hmm. Um, it also adds to the two hit and damage of the flame seed and the damage of the fiery teleportation. Yeah, just but but only increased by right. your proficiency modifier. Right. It's only by one. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't and and you know, I'm actually okay with that because what we've seen in previous editions are druids becoming way too powerful because they have animal companions and they have spells that can summon things and then then they can take their own action and sometimes it, it gets a little out of control. It's still out of control. Yeah. I, I've talked to some people who play druids and things like that. It's yeah. it's still pretty out of control right. even in this in this edition of the game. Right. And I was hoping that like bonus actions would help because if you have to take a bonus action to tell a creature you summon to do something then that limits it. Uh, but if it's a spell that summons and then they can act on their own, then it's you're right. It's just just out of control. It is. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I've never actually had anybody play something that summons creatures in 5th edition d and I've only heard stories about it. I should really go read up on the rules about that. It's been so long since I've looked at them for how summon creatures function. Yeah. It, it, I think it depends on the spell a lot of the time. Um, and... I don't know if there's much of a limitation um, in the spells themselves. Yeah, and this is me admitting admitting yeah. that I have uh, still have gaps in my knowledge about this game because it's hard to understand all of it all yeah. the time. The druids that I've played with have eschewed most of their the summoning stuff to to just play it uh, play it differently. So, uh, all right. Um, so that's that's the wildfire spirit. I. Uh, we can we can move on. Like there, I could we could talk. We could do a whole episode on like things that you summon. Right. Maybe we should at some point, but I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this enhanced bond. Mm-hmm. So when you're uh, when you get, when you hit six level, uh, you get to add a d8 to any healing or uh, or fire damage that you do. Mm-hmm. Healing healing that you pr- provide or fire damage, like not to every die that you roll, just one a one time thing. Yep. But uh, and you also get the ability to cast spells with you or your wildfire spirit as the origin point. Yep. Now yeah. you you have to have your wildfire spirit summoned for this to actually take effect. Yep. And and that's good. It's good. You you know it goes with the whole idea of destruction plus you know regeneration. Um, and I'm I'm down with all of it. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, it's also one roll of the spell. I guess there's sometimes spells that can let you like roll multiple times or whatever, like mm-hmm. over time. Uh, that that's not what this does. Yeah, just just the just the one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flames of life. So this one's interesting. So yeah. when a creature dies within thirty feet of a, of your wildfire spirit, you can use your reaction, and if you do, that creature springs up with flames. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who touches that, you can either choose to heal them or hurt them for 2d10 plus your wisdom modifier. Mm-hmm. Um, this is You can use this ability a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier per day, 
and then a long rest recharges it. Yep. The only thing I'm going to complain about on this, I think it's great. I think it's flavorful. I think it's fun. You know, tactical uh, fits with the with the spirit of the whole thing. I don't like the the phrase touches as a game mechanic. Uh, just have it say if a creature enters the the square of the the flaming creature. Yeah, I'm with you. That's yeah. that's a better that's a better as a as a game design writing rule thing. That's yep. way better. Yep. So that's that's the only net that I can pick there. Um and if if you just change that to to must enter the square or the first time it enters the square with the dead creature, then you you've got my thumbs up. Mhm. I'm with you. Uh and then blazing endurance. I like actually like this ability a lot. So when you drop to zero hit points and you don't die from something, because, mm-hmm. you know, that can happen. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't die. You get one hit point, and you gain temporary hit points equal to five times your druid level. And at 14th level, that's like 70. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's pretty good right there. At 14th level, I actually quite like this. Yep. Um, also, you get to damage any creature you choose within 30 feet. You can see for 2d10 plus your druid level and fire damage. Yep. And it resets with the long rest. So, like, once it happens, you don't get your second life a second time. Like, mm-hmm. you get to be that phoenix rising from the ashes for a second. You got it. Again, flavorful, fun, play testing. We'll see if numbers need to be adjusted, but for the most part, I'm I'm not unhappy with it. All right, let's talk about the Onomancy Arcane tradition. So, I'm a big fan of true names. Like as an idea, there are several like fantasy novel series that that take into account the idea of true names of things and mm-hmm. people. Right. And so, here's a D and D take on it. So, I was very excited to read this. Um, it is not what I expected exactly, but it works. I think it's kind of neat. So, uh, if you haven't figured it out, onomancy is the idea of true names, mm-hmm. power of names. So, the 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 important and key ability in a lot of this uh, arcane tradition is extract name. Mm-hmm. So, you can magically compel a creature to divulge their true name. It takes a bonus action. You target a creature within 60 feet. They make a wisdom saving throw. If they succeed, uh, you know that you failed. <coughs> and you can't use this feature on the target again. Um, if they fail, they're charmed until the end of your next turn. And you mentally learn their name. Their true name. Or mm-hmm. if the target lacks a name. Uh, you can use this a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. And you get all the stuff after a... It resets after a long rest. Mm-hmm. Now, that's important because everything else kind of keys off of knowing true names. If you don't know true names, none of this stuff works. Mm-hmm. So you are... It's very it's very specific. Uh, the, the other thing that you get at level two is fateful naming. So this is like your first uh, foray into like using your magical abilities with true names. You get Bane and Bless as wizard spells. Mm-hmm. They're always prepared. Um, and they don't count against your number of spells that, so they don't, you know, you always have them prepared and they don't count against the number of spells that you can prepare. So they're just sitting there. Like you, Mm -hmm. in your mind, you know them. Mm -hmm. You can cast these spells if you want to, without expending a spell slot, if you speak the true name of the target of the spell casting, uh, that one uh, target of the spell you're casting it um, on. And you can cast this spell a number of times per day, equal to your intelligence modifier, uh, resets with a long rest. Mm -hmm. That's... Neat. I think that very much fits into the idea of like you can tilt karma if you know somebody's true name. Sure. 
do you have anything to say about that before we move on? No, I mean the only the only thing that I have to say I will say at the end. Um, so let, we'll continue because it's, it's probably about the whole thing together, right? Exactly. Yeah, I I have some issues with some of this myself, which I want to talk about later. Yeah. Um, and then at sixth level, you get the thing that really makes this this class kind of come into its own this this arcane tradition. It's resonant utterance. So there is a list of options. Uh, I won't talk about all of them, but whenever you uh, whenever you, you once you get here, you get two of them. You get to choose two of them from this list, and then you know them. You can replace one every time you level up in uh, in in the in, as a wizard mm-hmm. with a different one, and it requires you to know their true name uh, when you cast a spell with a spell slot. So it can't be a cantrip. And then you get to use one of these extra things. So uh, the real quick list is absorption. It gives you temporary hit points. Devastation, it causes disadvantage on the first saving throw against the spell. We'll talk about a couple of them in, in more depth, but I just want to get through the list. Mm-hmm. Dissolution, the first time a creature takes damage, it uh, does extra damage. Uh, nullification, you can end a uh, a spell on someone. Puppetry, mm-hmm. it lets you move people around a little bit. And sympathy, it lets you target creatures even if you can't see them. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Sean, which one? Let's let's talk about. I think one of the more interesting ones to talk about is is uh, dissolution, okay. and also nullification. Those are the two that I want to talk about. Yeah. So, the dissolution one is the first time a named creature takes damage from the spell, they take an extra two d eight force damage, and it increases uh, when you get to tenth and fourteenth level. Yeah, so it's three d eight and forty eight. Yep, it scales. Yep. Uh, I think that's really cool. Like like you can actually harm something by just. Uh, whacking them and speaking that it's true name true name because it gives you more yeah. power over them so that makes perfect sense to me yeah and and i think what what makes it even better is as you say um it can't be a cantrip correct so you actually have to use that spell slot which i think is what evens all of this out and makes it um makes it work on every level right it works f- fun flavorful and mechanically balanced Mm-hmm. And it's worded in such a way that spells that do damage over time, it still only hits it once. Yep. Um, and then nullification is fascinating to me because you can use this on your own people mm-hmm. or on enemies to like get rid of. You can like get rid of buffs on people or get rid of debuffs on your own people. It's like a. It's essentially having a uh, dispel magic spell. This is true. Uh, let me read it out. If the name target is affected by any other spells, you know what spells they are. And you can attempt to end one of your your choice by succeeding on an intelligence check with a DC equal to 10 plus the level of the chosen spell. So, yes. Um, you can cast a spell on something, uh, add nullifi- cast a spell on something, add nullification, and make that intelligence check to get rid of a spell. So, perfectly worded for debuffing or... Um, saving your ally from an effect. I, I agree. Yeah. And it's it's essentially dispel magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. You just got yourself some a couple of dispel magic spells if you pick that one. Yep. And it fits like right in that same space too. Like dispel magic's a third level spell. So mm-hmm. you're getting you're getting access to it like essentially one level later. Yeah. And if you choose this, you definitely want as as the player, as the wizard player to take a couple of buff spells. Um, so if you do need to cast it on your friend, you're not having to hit them with a fireball to uh, to get rid of it, the charm person on them. It's 
true. Um, well, I mean, you already have Bless and, and, and Bane, right? But and you're not long, using a spell slot. To uh, cast you can it. you can choose to use a spell slot gotcha. to cast it. Though. Yep, yep, you're right. So, so you have the option. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing you did until I thought about it for another yep. second. Like you, you have it prepared so you can. If, if you do it as the the yep. free one, you can't do that. But if you do it as the not free one, then you can. There you go. So you could use Bane at any point as well to affect the bad guys. Uh huh. Or then, a bad guy. You, you're only targeting one creature uh, with any of these. Yeah, whichever one has the. Uh, the true name. The true name speak. of. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's interesting. I, I think it's pretty good. Yep. So All at 10th right. level, you get inexorable pronouncement, which means you just learn two new resonants of your choice. Yep. So you um, have access to four instead four of two. Enough. Yep. And then relentless naming is... Um, I actually like this one. It's, it's, it's higher level. It makes sense to me where you can... Um, you can basically get around people's damage reduction because when you hit them with a spell, you can deal force or psychic damage with the spell instead of whatever the spell would normally do, as long as you know their true name. Yep. I think that makes perfect sense. I also think it's terrifying. Say you're like uh, something that has fire resistance and then you get hit with a fire spell, but like it still singes you because, mm-hmm. you know, they've gotten into your mind. <laughs> I cast Psychic Ball. I cast Psychic like it... Well, it's more like, ah, fire can't hurt me. Why is the fire hurting me? Why? It hurts my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it almost turns it into like a like a physical illusion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could see it that way, or a force uh, damage. So, okay. So what do you what do you what are your thoughts about this one? I'm good. I'm good. I I like it. Um, again, I could see a few tweaks that might need to be made here and there, but what overall the the premise I love. It's the rules that go along with it, how how it fits into the narrative as well as the mechanical part of D&D um, is always a question for me. And so, you know, under the sidebar where it says true names, the last paragraph is, as a quick guide, a creature has a true name if it understands at least one language or it has an alignment. So uh, no animals have true names. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, mechanical... Constructs? Yeah, what about constructs? What about golems that understand a language? Um, Because it's not and has an alignment, it's or has an alignment. So do do golems have true names? You know, it it turns into that sort of debate that needs to be very clear, both as a narrative uh, aspect and as a mechanical aspect. Because my next question is, if if I can't find someone's true name, you know, I come up against this this bad guy who I who is going to escape maybe during the combat, and I failed to learn their true name with my extract name ability. Is there any other way I can find their true name? Yeah, because then you can't get it via that way anymore. Right, because it says if you if it makes it save, you cannot get it. So so, yeah. so I feel like you can. Just not that way. Right. Um, but that's all about your table and how you want to play the game. Right. So now it becomes not a mechanical question, but a narrative question. Can I use downtime to research this person and find their true name? Uh, can I somehow trick them into telling me their true name? You know, all of this thing uh, comes into play. And for the sake of continuity, uh of course, any DM can run their own game in any way they choose. But for the sake of making a game 
where we have a shared language and a shared understanding. Um, we that needs to be clarified. Yeah, you th- how would you do it? How would I do it? Yeah, uh, I would definitely make narratively. Um, you need a way to be able to get their true name. Uh, so I would put in rules for downtime to do that, M- but make it a make it a significant cost. Well, um, that that's not that's not necessarily narratively. That's a that's a mechanism. Spending downtime is a resource. But I see what you're saying. Like yeah. there should be other if there are other avenues to acquiring a true name, they should be more specifically spelled out. Yes, and and using downtime to research, at least maybe to give you another chance at making another roll. I mm-hmm. think would be good. Um, I think. Um, or at least knowing, like, there is no way, like, that spending that downtime, like, well, this creature's name isn't exactly an easy one to get this way. Like, you actually have to go interact with the person right. for a period of time to learn their true name, right? Yep. And that's that's another way to do it. Like, well, I'm going to spend X amount of time or have X amount of moments with this person, then that will give me a chance to learn their true name. Mm-hmm. And guess what, folks? You you have true names, too, as players. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you guarding yours? If you're are, guarding yours. Are you guarding yours? Uh you know, if something is trying to get yours, but you want to get someone else's, the rules have to be similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you can guard yours and no one can ever find it, then then that's got to be true of someone else. Uh, so, so keep that in mind too, right? It's it's got to work both ways. Yeah, I I, I think I get what you're saying with the thing though is I, and I agree with you like there's only one methodology mechanically to acquire a true name and if you yep. don't get it then you can't get it so what's, what are the other options like that's a that's a block and we don't like blocks in games like this right right let, you know let us know let us know the the story and let us know the mechanics and how they work together mm-hmm. so yeah uh, hopefully they'll just have a longer sidebar next time yeah be like, here are the other ways that someone could possibly acquire a true name. That mm-hmm. would be a great list to have, right? That would be. Uh, so, you know, I want to talk about Descent into Avernus, but we've been talking for 42 minutes. It's true. We have. And we, should... and we will probably do more podcasts, Chris. We're probably going to do more podcasts. So I would say next time we will start our descent into the actual adventure. Yes, I agree. Which we'll talk probably up into the uh, the, the, the dungeon of the three. Well, with that, I think we should get to some Patreon shoutouts. What do you think, Sean? Let's do that. Um, Eileen Barnes, Andrew Dacey, Andy Olson, Brian Kurtz, Christopher Gray, Craig Just Craig, Donnie Harville, Eric Bontz, GM Gerrymander, Jared Rasher, Jesse Edmonds, Jim Likes Games, John C. LeMay, John Carney, Kevin Lovecraft, Merrick Blackman, Mike Dinos, P.K. Sullivan, and Richard Wyatt. Those are members of our royal court. They all have uh, very various and sundry titles that I uh, very much enjoy saying. Uh, I'm not going to say them today because you're all awesome and that's all you need to know. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Dallas D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for $4 a month, you not only get that shout out, but you also get to see our elaborate pre-production show notes and you get access to our misdirected Mark Slack room where you can chat with us at your pleasure. You know, our show notes, they uh, they have me writing like shorthand these days, too. So you can see my ridiculous shorthand that doesn't make any sense to anybody. And it's funny because we have people who are like, may we please see your show notes to to use in our games? And I'm like, OK, cool. Do they really? Yeah. I've seen that a couple of times. I haven't seen it in a while. They they ask you usually. Uh, they ask, they ask, well, someone asked you already. Well, they asked. Yeah. The, somebody asked us for our adventure design notes. That was fascinating. Yeah. 
um, or, or to outline our adventure design stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple podcast review or a podcast review anywhere. Yeah, reviewing us anywhere, but especially on Apple, uh, will help us get our news out there that, that we have a show that some people actually like. Um, but you can help us anywhere by going anywhere on social media, linking to our show and telling people that you enjoy it. And we appreciate that. Sean, where can people interact with you on the interwebs? Uh, on the interwebs, the best interaction point is Twitter, where I am at Sean Merwin. Or go to our almost new Misdirected Mark Forums, where S- each of the shows... Old. What's that? Slightly old? Slightly old now, um, where you can you know discuss with us what we're talking about. If you have a differing viewpoint, we would love to hear about it. And the forums are a great place to have that discussion with a bunch of very bright folks, and and Chris and I. Yeah, forums.misdirectedmark.com. There you go. How about you, Chris? Where can we find you? I'm at the light 101 on Twitter. I mean, if you want to, you can also just go at misdirectedmark. That is the network Twitter, and we always get informed if you go at misdirectedmark. Uh, our uh, our wonderful and fantastic chief Rob Eberzato. He always pings us whenever somebody down with D and D's at us. You know, uh, the other place you can interact with me is on the website. Like, if you leave a comment on the show, I almost always see it or get told about it. You can also go to our new Twitch channel and YouTube page where you can catch other great shows. You know, that's another place to interact with me. And one of those great shows is the BXP Bicons. So this is a group of uh, non-binary folks playing role-playing games on Twitch. They are starting with... Blades in the Dark, so you can trip down to Duskval and hang out with them. They uh, play on Sundays from 8.30 till 11-ish. And that is at uh, twitch.tv slash misdirectedmark. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, what are we going to do now? We are going to go kill some demons and devils, but not until next week. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Yeah, you know me.